Her passage for today is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. I want to welcome all of you today. It's a really special uh, Sunday morning today. Welcome those of you who are online right now. I want to just take a moment here and introduce our uh, preacher for today. And... I know for many of you, Hang needs no introduction, but uh, for those of you who don't know Hang, let me just tell a little bit about Hang. Uh, Hang served as the associate pastor here for five years and um, served our church well, and since then he's served all over the world in different locations. He, we uh, sent him as a missionary to Malaysia where he served for a few years uh, in a sister church there came back to the States and served in Texas. He's now uh, the worship pastor at Fairfax Bible in Fairfax, Virginia, and really excited to have him. Those of you who were a part of the men's conference, Hang led our worship, and you know, when I asked Hang to come lead worship for our men's retreat, I asked him too, like, Hang, you can preach, man. Why don't you preach for me on Sunday? He was like, all right. So... Uh, we're really glad to have him, and, and I just want you to know, too, Hang, um, he's a faithful servant of the Lord. He's a good man. He's a graduate of the Moody Bible Institute, by the way. And I also count him a dear friend, and we're really glad to have Hang, too. So let's welcome him together as a church. Good morning. Wow, so good to see you all this morning. Thank you, Ryan and the worship band. I was just tearing up from the first song to the last. I said, I'm going to do this, you know, by God's grace. And what a privilege to stand and just share God's word with you. What a privilege to lead uh, the men retreats worship. Man, we had a, so much fun. Well, one of the best I ever, you know, been to. And one of the, uh, my favorite was to be able to see the four young men, you know, when I was here, they were like this small, you know. And they're in my breakout, and I'm confessing my sin in front of them. And, and, and you know, they encouraged me to pursue my wife. Said, Dang. Wow, I'm, I'm so old. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Fairfax Bible Church sent their greetings. And my wife and three boys sent their greetings. They want to be here, but perhaps next time we'll drive, you know, 11 hours and we'll, we'll come by. So thanks so much. You know, when I think of Harvest Decatur, I think of God's faithfulness. Let me show you this picture. God's faithfulness. Look at that. We started out in the strand, the sticky floor with popcorns, 
and Pepsi Cola, any flavor you want, you got it. <laughs> Set up and tear down in the snow, remember that? Digging through that. God has been so faithful to you, Harvest Decatur. God has been faithful to you in this crazy pandemic. Do you know that? And he loves you. And thank you for being faithful to him. Thank you for loving your pastor. He's difficult sometimes, right? <laughs> thank you for you know, submitting to your elders. Thank you for loving your small group leaders. You guys are doing a fantastic job. Keep going. Keep on persevering. Don't give up. Amen? Man, today we're going to study a passage in 1 John. And uh, I entitled this sermon, You Before Me. So if you have a Bibles, uh, turn to your First John. And the big idea is this, guys. Really simple. God is love. And if we are to love one another, we must come to know God through His Son. Right? God is love. And if we are to love one another, we must come to know His Son. First of all, the source of love is God. The source of love is God. In verse 7, we are called to love one another. And this is a central theme in this book, but also is a central theme in the Bible, right? But take a look at verse 7 real quick. Take a look at what love is not. Love is not a place. Says Las Vegas, right? We all should, if love is in Las Vegas, then we all should move to Lake Vegas and be loved and happy. But guess what? I first lived in Vegas when I first came to the state, and I quickly found out that Vegas is just a glorified piece of desert and with a bunch of toys for a whole bunch of miserable people, right? Miserable. miserable. They're not very happy or loving. They're greedy. If you're from Vegas, I apologize. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. Love is not a place. But notice love is not a thing either, right? Let's say if you, have the, uh, you bought that iPhone 13. A couple of months later, they come up with this code, iPhone 13 Pro Max. Suddenly, you feel a little sorry for yourself having the 13. You want an upgrade, right? You feel miserable. You feel jealous. Love is not a thing. Love is not an activity either. Love is not a task. Love is not indulging in mindless entertainment. True love is not also found in human relationship. There are so many foster children in our system, so many broken homes, broken marriages. So if love is not found in places, in things, in activities, in human relationship, where do we go to find lasting, genuine love, you may ask? Great question. The Bible tells us that love is not a place, but love is a person. Love is a person, that God is love, and He's the source of all love. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And verse 8, the opposite is also true. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. If you want to live the life of love, John said, we must what? Come to know God. We must come to know God, who is the source of love. That is the only way. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's the only way. John begins with the word beloved in this passage, which he uses five times in this book, right? Which expresses his affection for his reader. Evidently, John is writing to believers in several Gentile congregations, right? Uh, evidently, and by this time his, of his letter, Jerusalem was destroyed and believers gathered throughout because of persecution, and this was a challenging time for the church. It was a challenging time to be a Christian. And that's why 
John exhort the believers to continue to love God, to be faithful to God, and to continue to love one another even more so because love is an indication that the person has been born again, right? Here's an example. When you squeeze an apple, what do you get? Apple juice, right? Apple juice, good, very good. You didn't pass that quiz. All right, here's another one. When you squeeze an orange, what do you get? Thank you, yay. Five points for Gregory. <laughs> what about this one? When you squeeze a cushion, what do you get? Jesus. <laughs> Love, that's great. That's it. That's it. You're on the right track. All right. All right. That was level five. I'm going to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of time when we're being squeezed through trials and pressure, we don't get Jesus, right? We don't get loving kindness and all that. We get lemonade. <laughs> complaining, whining, sin, the sin of the flesh, right? And, and so that's why John wrote this letter to encourage the people to continue to love, to continue to reflect God instead of the world and their flesh. So in verse 7, John calls believers to love one another because the ability to love is the evidence of new birth in Christ. I love this, uh, this quote by a commentator. He said, it is not the person's ability to love that caused the new birth, but his ability to love flows from his regeneration in Christ. In other words, God is a source of love in the believer's heart to love. If that's, if that's the logic, how do you explain cases where non-believer displays great sacrificial love for one another without regeneration? Great question. I leave that up to Tony to answer you. <laughs> and I think because we have been created in the image of God, right? We still have divine char- characteristic, but our ability is limited, awakened by sin, and our relationship with God is still broken. I'm blessed with three boys. Let me show you this picture. And sometimes they can display great obedience and love for one another especially when the babysitter come along, you know, come by. I don't know why. they just more moral when babysitter come over, right? Or when there's a reward involved, right? But they can't love and obey for a long time. And as parents, that's our prayer for them, that they, they would not just act lovingly toward one another in front of a babysitter or when we give them a gift, but they can continue to love even when they don't want to. And that's because the source of love in them is not them, but it's Christ and it's God. And that's why the God of the Bible is a trinity. What does the trinity have to do with love? I leave that to Tony. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What does the trinity have to do with love? It has everything to do with love. Trinity means three in one. Tri-unity. God eternally exists as three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? But one God. You see, before the creation of the universe, God was already infinitely happy, complete, and satisfied within the triune Godhead, right? He didn't create us because He was lonely. He didn't create us because He was bored or sad. He created us out of perfect love and unity and harmony within the Trinity, He created us to love Him and love others in order to reflect the Trinitarian love, in order to reflect Him. 
Therefore, John's argument is that it is impossible for us to love God or people without knowing the God of love, who is the source of love. And certainly the opposite is true. Anyone who does not love does not know God in verse 8. The one who does not love is a complete stranger to God. As you're being squeezed in this crazy season called the pandemic, are you becoming more loving, more gentle, like your Heavenly Father? Or are you being more selfish and more self-centered and unloving? Listen to 1 Corinthians 13. See how you do with this love assessment. Whenever you hear the word love or it is, just put your name there. Love is patient. Is hang patient? Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I think I felt the first two already. <laughs> In Christ, here's the good news. We have all of these attributes and characteristics. It was a gift to us in Christ. We simply have to receive Christ's finishing work over us and live by faith in Him. Let me give you an example. When we, lived, when we visited our home back in Vietnam, after 10 years living in the U.S., we were shocked at the sight and the, the smell of the house. It was small, ugly, and filthy. That was me when I was probably five or six. That was the balcony. And uh, that was my family having some friends over. But somehow, my parents was managed to give us a wonderful childhood. I couldn't remember any suffering or pain or anything like that in a communistic regime. We were happy. But on top of that, um, my parents adopted took in many refugee families from Cambodia and China because they were running away from communism and they ended up in Vietnam without proper documents. So if they get caught, they would go to prison or labor camp and whatnot. So at different times, my parents would adopt one or two families living upstairs with them. They would give them food and shelter, found them jobs, taught them skills. And sometime later on in life, they would write letters back or telegram. Remember that thing? Yeah, some of you are like, what? <laughs> Don't worry about it. And they will say that, yeah, thank you so much for loving us. Because of your love, we come to know Christ. And now I'm baptized and my kids are baptized and we love Jesus. And I think that because the source of love in my parents, it is not from themselves, but it's of the Lord that they can pass and they can give that love to others. And so I called my mom in preparation for this sermon. I said, Mom, how did you do it? How did you manage to have people over when you're yourself so poor? And she said, Whatever, however poor we are, they are even worse than us. And that actually it was a blessing for you and your sister, for our family, to love on this, the family, the refugees. It was a blessing to us that we were able to love and give Christ love. It was the opposite. We received the blessing. And that sort of reminds me of Jesus, what he said. It is what? Better to give than to receive. But here's a real honest question to consider this morning. What do we do when we feel like we're running on empty? 
when we have nothing to give after a long day, how do we love when we feel like we have nothing, no love left to give? I think that's an honest question, right? Two things. I think one, don't meditate on how much you can love. Don't meditate and think about your inability to love. I think that would just make you feel more guilty, right? I am, when I think about that, more depressed. Rather, go back to the source. Meditate on how much God loves you. Think about His infinite love that He has for you before the foundation of the world, the Bible said, right? Before He created the moon, the star, the trees, and the bugs, and the bees, God has chosen you, adopted you, set you apart, given you a new, new identity, give you all, the, all of the spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. He loves you unconditionally. And as you meditate on His love instead of your lack of love, I think he'll melt our cold heart and give us motivation and power to continue to love even when we don't feel like it. Why? Because the source of love in the believers is not us. It's not from within us. We're not the agent, but he is. The source of love is God, and we must continue to go back to the source. This leads us to the second truth. The source of love is God. The gift of love is Christ. You see, God manifested or expresses His love to us in many different ways. His love is seen through creation, His creativity. Uh, Let me show you a picture. Tony came and preached at our church uh, a couple weeks back. We don't have a senior pastor, so we rely on a lot of GCC pastors. And uh, and I took him to this beautiful water park called the Great Fall Park, and it was just so breathtaking just looking at that thing, right? This is 45 minutes away from me. If you come, I'll take you there as well. And when we were there, we saw three, you know, people kayaking down this thing, and it was, com- it was so dangerous. But someday I'm going to do it. <laughs> you want to come kayak with me and experience the glory of God in creation? Dave, I sign you up. Come. And then after that, Tony bought us some fried chick- Korean fried chicken, and I think I gained five pounds when I visit. So you got to give me like two months in advance so that I would, you know, jump on a treadmill and just get ready for your visit. I love this quote from Paul Tripp. It's not on the screen. He said, I love how much God's glory, uh, God's glory in creation is edible. <laughs> I love how much God's glory in creation is edible. There it is. God expresses his love in creation. God expresses love through his provision, through his constant care for us. Show you a picture. If the earth is an inch closer to the sun, what happened to us? We'll be smoking like dead, not yeah, we'd be, we'll, we'll be burned. And if the sun is like an inch further from us, we'll be frozen, right? We'll be freeze to that. God is doing a million things every day, every moment of your life to take care of us, right? To express his love to us. And perhaps we are aware of two or three of those things. But all of this expression of God's love to us is pale in comparison to the love of his Son, to the gift of his son. Look at verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10, in this love, not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The only way we can live the life of love is through the son, 
That is the only way. Because of our sin, the falling short of God's glory and standard, we are disconnected, separate from, uh, from God who is holy and righteous. If you don't believe human is sinful, try raising a three-year-old boy. Let me show you a picture of my guy, right? His name is Akira, or in short we call him Aki. It means brightness, taken from Daniel 12. And those who are wise sh shall shine, sh shine like the brightness of the sky above. He's a little sunshine, and every morning at 5.30, maybe sometime you get lucky, 5.45, he climbs on your bed, and you go like this, da 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 How about Aki? How about Aki? I'm like, what about Aki? <laughs> How about Mook? How about Mook? He can't say milk. He say Mook. Chinese accent. <laughs> and then you give him milk, and he'll be like, how about juice? I say, how about some broccoli, son? He's like, mm, yuck. He's a third child. We don't care. <laughs> you want ice cream? Yeah. You'll be fine. Because to him, life is all about Aki. The whole universe dance around him, right? All of us are his servant. Grandma. No, especially grandma. <laughs> he has the face of an angel like his mother, but he has the heart of a selfish, sinful little Asian man <laughs> like me. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked beyond cure. And because God is not only loving, but He's holy, righteous, therefore He must punish sin. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, and you know this, but the gift of God, there it is, is eternal life, in Christ Jesus. Because of God's great love for us, He punished His Son instead of us. He spared us, and He did not spare His own Son. Jesus took upon all of our sin upon Himself, and in return gave us His perfection, His righteousness, and this is God's most powerful, beautiful, glorious demonstration of love to us. I love this definition of sin. I took this from the group called CEF, uh, Children Evangelism Fellowship. They are very good at training children, especially adults, to share the gospel. And so I need your participation in this. So let me see your hands, guys. All right, here we go. Sin is anything we think, say, or do that breaks God's heart and make him sad. Isn't that wonderful, guys? Try that one time, okay? You gotta say it this time. Ready, go. Sin is anything we think, say, or do that breaks God's heart and make him sad. Use that on your child tonight. That's a freebie. <laughs> Romans 10, 9 said this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? If you want to accept God's great gift of love this morning, you can. Confess that Jesus is Lord. Admit that you're not smart enough, young people or old people. You're not strong enough. You're not sexy enough. You're not wise enough to be the master and Lord of your own life. Perhaps some of us have tried that. How did that go for you? Ah, awful, miserable, lonely, disconnected, discontent. Turn that lordship to Christ. Confess him. Receive him. Let him be your master. 
and then believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again for your sin, you will have this beautiful gift, the gift of forgiveness, freedom from sin, freedom from bondage, freedom from fear. Pastor Duncan said this in a quote, in the Bible, propitiation is not something that we provide to God to get right with Him again. It is something that God provides to us that we may be justly and mercifully forgiven and accepted. And He does this at His own expense through the loving gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. We can never get right with God on our own with good behavior, achievement, nothing. We can't. Never. It takes the second person in the Trinity, Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection in order for us to be reconciled to God. And if you have already accepted Christ, you accepted this gift of love, let me ask you this. Are you delighting in Him? Are you abiding in Him? Are you living in Christ's power and all of the potential, all the fullness of Christ? The gift of the Son is the most powerful demonstration of God's love to us. Receive Him. Continue to enjoy and abide in Him. The source of love is God. The gift of love is Christ. And lastly, finally, the completion of love is one another. Look at verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Verse 11 is pretty straightforward, right? If we truly have, been received, have received God's love, then we'd be able to all to extend, display, show his love to the people around us, especially with the people closest to us. So go home. This is a pop quiz that you can do. Ask your husband, ask your wife, do I display God's love in me? and have a wonderful night. <laughs> Go home and ask your kids, do, do I, as your father, display God's unconditional love? Have some conversation with that. Um, but in verse 12, John says something really interesting. He said, no one has ever seen God. Apparently, the, um, the invisibility of God is an important theme in the Gospel of John. I did not know that. That's so cool. He's going to use that to support the idea of loving one another in this, in this passage. Let me show you. John 1.18 said, no one has ever seen God. That's the exact same uh, you know, verse in verse 12 earlier. But the one and only Son who is himself God and is the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. In other words, Jesus, he has seen God. John 6, 46, no one has ever seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. What happened? You know, it was raining in the retreat a couple of days, and the last day there was some, some sun came out. What happened when you look directly at the sun? Anybody try that? You go blind. Don't try it. Don't do it. That was, that was a trick question, guys. Do not look at the sun, right? Do not go, Pastor Hang said, do not look at the sun. I think in the same way, God is like the sun. Right? We can't look at God directly. We can't look at God in his, all of his glory and fullness and live because he's holy and righteous and we are not. Remember the Israelite? They pleaded with Moses at the Mount, of Sin uh, Mount Sinai to have 
Moses speak to him instead of Yahweh, right? Because God was a consuming fire, and they were terrified, terrified at the sound of God's voice. They were frightened in the presence of God. I think what Abraham, Moses, and the prophets in the, in the Old Testament saw, there were theophanies, right? Revelations by which God made himself visible to their eyes. And even then, God was gracious and protected them from seeing his fullness. Only Jesus, the Son of God, can see the Father in his unveiled essence, glory, and majesty. Only Jesus can do that. But here's John's argument. This is brilliant. Why no one can claim to have seen God, believer who love one another, demonstrate that the unseen God lives in them. Verse 11, if we love one another, God abides in us. The invisible God is made visible to the watching world when believer love one, believers love one another. This is so brilliant, so wise, at the same time so humbling that the infinite God of love would use you. Have you seen you? <laughs> Look in the mirror. And me to display his unconditional love to the world, to use broken things to display something perfect and glorious. That is incredible. When an unbeliever walks into your worship service or small group setting and they see a group of people with different ages and personality, social, economic background, different political stuff that we believe in, worshiping the same God, praying to the same God, and then loving one another, serving one another, truly helping one another, they will be amazed. They say, wow, how can the people so different so weird. Can you admit that? Weird. Crazy. Like, and yet, get along and love one another. The invisible nature of God is made visible through our love for one another. God abides in us. And then he, further along, he said this. John said, not only that, his love is perfected or complete in us. Love is incomplete until we act upon love. This is the second of four references that John talks about the completeness of love in this letter. The first is found in 1 John 2, 5, where the completeness of love, the love of God is expressed in obedience to his word. Verse 5 said, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. So continue to abide, continue to obey and submit to the word of God. Third and fourth references are found in 1 John 17 and 18. God's love is complete with us so that, when we, uh, so that we may have confidence on judgment day without fear because perfect love drives out fear. And here in, in verse 12, God's love is made complete or perfected in us when we love one another. God's blessing to us is not so that we can have a bigger house and bigger bank account and nice 401k so that we can bless others, so that we can be a blessing to the nations. God's love for us is meant to be given away. Amen? We talk a lot about love. What is love? Let's define this thing. This is how the world defines love. Me before you. My needs before your needs, 
right? Or I love the way you make me feel. And when you don't make me feel good, I stop loving you, right? So this is a totally conditional love, worldly love, selfish, self-centered love. But biblical love says this, you before me, you before me, simply put. Jesus puts our needs before his own. Jesus laid down his life for the church so that we may lay down our lives for others. He puts his father's agenda, his glory before his own. Biblical love says, I love you and I'm committed to you in spite of, regardless of how I feel. Because the ultimate source of love is not from us, but it's from the Lord. For example, when we walk into a new church or a new small group setting, we have this here I am mentality, right? We tend to think to ourselves, here I am. <laughs> Will anyone notice me? Will anyone make fun of the way I dress? Will anyone uh, serve me? Will anyone pray for me? Will anyone invite me out for lunch after church? But if we have been loved by God and our love tank is full to the brim, we no longer need to ask people, relationship, or created things to give us meaning, purpose, and identity. Then we can have this new mentality, right? Instead of here I am, you have this new mentality. Oh, there you are. <laughs> there you are. I see you. There you are. I notice you. Instead of how can you serve me, then I can say, how can I serve you? How can I pray for you? How can I bear, uh, how can I bear your burdens? How can I encourage you this week? As we close, I'm going to challenge you to love one another in two ways. At first, I have like 17 ways, and my wife said, just make it two, hey, keep it. <laughs> They'll like you more, because Tony's sermon is long, you're short, that's it. <laughs> just keep it, keep it cool. Number one, this is one way that we can love one another to reflect God, be committed to one another. It's so simple, right? Be committed to one another, specifically to commit it to the gathering of the saints. I love how uh, the second and third John end. They end in a very similar way. Third John 14 said this, I hope to see you soon. You know, it's kind of cool. I hope to see you. Here's a cooler part. And we will talk face to face, right? Second John 12, though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk, here it is, face to face, so that our joy may be complete. My love joy tank was so full this past weekend because we had so much face to face conversation. And yes, there was a lot of laughter, but there was a lot of tears and gospel-centric conversation. <sighs> I was so blessed. Weren't you blessed, guys? There is a supernatural joy, sweet joy in face-to-face -face worship and fellowship with the body of Christ. And John even said that their joy may be complete as they gather and see one another face-to-face. -face. Maybe some of your joy are incomplete in this season because you have not been gathered. You have not seen your brothers and sisters in Christ face-to-face -face, and you have not been able to encourage and love and serve one another. Yes, there is a risk to have face-to-face -face interaction, but to not meet all together 
is even more threatening. Amen. Here are some creative ways our family fight for communal joy in this season as a family. And so um, I don't know about your contacts here, but for us, we have to wear masks on Sunday because the governor says so. And also we meet in a school and the school requires all students and all anybody. If you walk in the school, you got to wear a mask. And it's super uncomfortable to sing in mass. You know that, right? But the joy of being together on Sunday outweigh the joy of wearing mass. And we love to sing and gather to worship with mass. And we wait for a day that we don't have mass, you know? So pray for us in that regard. My wife walks with a church friend, a single lady who lives in our neighborhood every Wednesday morning at 6.30. It's super dark 6.30, you know, but she loved it. And whenever she comes back, She's more refreshed physically, mentally, spiritually. And I said, baby, I think you need, you need some more walk this week because <laughs> go, go, go have more walks, you know. She loves it. She loves it. Walking is, you know, social distance activity. Hit up a friend. Walk together. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Who cares? Have face-to-face conversation, encouragement. Show you a picture. I run with a group of 20. There's a, a huge group of 20 and 30 in our church every Saturday at a part, or a lot of Saturdays, I would say. Actually, I was training for a Ragnar 24-hour relay race. At first, I didn't want to do this. You know, they live in tent, and you have to run in the middle of the night. I said, this is dumb. I'm 43. This is like, I've done that, right? And, uh, but one person dropped out. I said, hang with you. And I said, yeah, I'll take one for the team. But in, rea- in honesty, I had a blast. Had so much fun hanging out with the 20s. You know, they make me feel younger. Running faster than some of them have to say. And uh, I was so refreshed. Doing life together, having face-to-face conversation. Yes, there was a lot of silliness. But in those silliness, there was so much gospel-centered conversation as well. Recently, my wife loved to bake sourdough for some reason. I'm not sure what happened. Let me show you a picture of this. So she made them and different kind like croissant and pancakes. I didn't know you could do that with sourdough, right? And, and she can't eat it because she's on this kind of diet thingy, you know, like no carb, no bread and rice. And so I said, what do you do, babe? She's like, give it to your neighbor. So my, the boys and I get to deliver them and take the credit. We made this for you, you know. <laughs> Just kidding. I was humble. My wife made this. And some of our neighbors are believers, but many are not. So we get to interact with them. Because it's kind of hard to go up to a stranger and say, hey, what's your name? Would you come to church, you know? But if you have some cookies, some bread, it makes things a little bit easier. So I encourage you, be creative in this season. Think outside of the box. Invite your neighbor. Bring some cookies over. Get to know them. We love to have people over for meals often. And our boys get to clean up and prepare, vacuum. And we want to teach our boys that um, relationship is more important than watching Disney Plus and their iPad and all the electronics in the house. And so every, and they've been enjoying that to the point where they say every morning when they wake up, Mom and Dad, who is coming over tonight? I said, we just had somebody over last night. You don't have, to, this is not an everyday thing, you know? So now we got, we're teaching them moderation. Moderation, right? That's the next lesson. But yeah, teaching them how to have conversation with adults, teaching them to place the importance on relationship. So wonderful. Did Jesus take a risk when he came to have face-to-face relationship with us? 
Absolutely. Look at 1 John 3.16. By this we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. We're not called to just make cookies and walk with each other, guys. We're called to lay down. Actually, we're called to die to our preferences, our like and dislike, in order to love others. Don't let this pandemic diminish your joy, Harvest Decatur. Fight together as the people of God to worship and fellowship. Be committed to one another. That's the first way. Here's the second way that we can love one another better to reflect the Trinity. Simply be quiet. Anybody, huh? <laughs> I'll share with you what I mean. Recently, I shared my struggle before, uh, about my phone with a friend, and I spent way too much on it, just doing silly things and whatnot. And after I shared this, I was expecting something like, you know, you should try to put your phone downstairs, away from your bed, so when you wake up, you're not checking your emails, and you know, and that would be a good idea too. But he said something totally unexpected. He asked me a couple of questions. He said, why are you on your phone? I said, I don't know, to check on my, my kids, how they're doing at school, some of the content. We do live in Virginia. And look at houses, look at mortgage rates. We're trying to, prayingfully, thinking to purchase a home instead of renting. And uh, look at Facebook, check on different things, learning new songs, all that. And he said something weird. He said, maybe you don't have a phone problem. Maybe you have an Eve problem. And I said, what in the world is an Eve problem, bro? And he said, well, you know, she wanted to be all-knowing. She wants to, have all, she wants to be all-powerful and in control. And I said, wow, that's good. I come to you with a phone problem, and you told me that I have a new problem, a controlling issue. That's good. That's really good. Gee, thanks, buddy. And he asked me, you know, um, do you know who else is all-knowing and all-powerful and in control? And I said, Jesus? I said, yeah, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. Gregory, Jesus. And he said, he asked, what do you think Jesus is doing when your phone is off and when you're sleeping? And I said, looking for a big house for me? He said, yes. <laughs> what else is Jesus doing when you're sleeping and when your phone is off? Taking care of my family, yeah. Making sure that you're okay, he said, yeah. He said, you can turn up your phone and go to sleep at night because you worship the one who never slumbers or sleep. And out of that conversation, I shut off my phone and went for a walk. I was in my office and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I was trying to control, trying to manipulate, trying to preserve, trying to protect my family. But thank you for being my savior. Thank you for being sovereign. So I turned that control back to the Lord. And I continued to try to have those walk after lunch and just me and the Lord. No agenda. Just me and the Lord. Walking and just fellowshipping and worshiping. And I think that the gospel community is capable and is supposed to do that for one another. Amen? Namely, to point one another toward Jesus and his beauty and his sufficiency. But in order to do that, we must, we must, we must learn to listen. 
listen to understand. Listen to the issue of the heart and not just not dealing with these modific- behavior modifications on the surface. Listen to the sin that is behind, that is beneath the sin. Certainly listen to the Spirit and, and allow his, Him to bring about conviction and motivation. Listen to the word of truth that gives life and bring real transformation. But in order to do that, we must be quiet. We must let all the distraction, all the noises of our society, the world, just shh. And we must quiet the inner murmur of your own shout that you have in your soul that's striving for performance, achievement, recognition. We all have that. And just say, shh, in order to receive a love a word from the Lord. There's no way we can love one another without being quiet and still before this awesome, loving, almighty God. This leads us to back to the big idea that I shared earlier on the screen. God is love. And if we are to love one another, we must come to know God through His Son. There's no way we can point one another toward Christ if we don't know Christ ourselves. Amen? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as I close us. I think the pandemic is a divine invitation for all of us, all culture, all countries, all churches, all believers, to gaze upon Jesus, to gaze upon His beauty, to delight in Him, to make Him our highest priority. Don't make the news, the politics, who's sitting in Capitol Hills, social media, mass no mass. Do not magnify, do not dwell, do not think on those things. Those things will make you crazy and confused and angry and depressed. But to gaze upon the Lord and His beauty and His majesty, whoo, you'll be so different. You'll be changed to the likeness of Christ. I love this old hymn. I was going to make you guys sing it, but I won't. Let's just read it together. Verse 1. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glorious grace. So turn your thoughts upon Jesus. Think deep of his wonderful love and the thoughts of sin and self and strife will be lost in that rapture above. Would you take a moment and bow your heart, bow your head, and just be still before the Lord. Let his unconditional love just flood over you. Heavenly Father, thank you for such a timely reminder. Forgive us, Father, for loving created things instead of the Creator. Forgive us for focusing on what is broken instead of what is beautiful and glorious. Would you in this season turn our hearts, our worship back to you, Jesus, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord 
and to seek Him in His temple. And also as we gather, that we'll be able to point one another, not to ourselves, not to some strategy or formula, but to a person, to Christ and His sufficiency. Thank you. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. All God people said, Amen. Please, let's stand together, church.